Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey, everyone. I'm Katherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office Podcast. I am super excited because I have a wonderful guest today, Joseph Rosenfeld, who is in Brooklyn, not Manhattan. Right. Brooklyn, New York City. I could have gotten away with it. Here's a little bit about Joseph. Joseph says, clients see him as a trusted advisor and confidant as he guides them to transform their personal brand and style. Joseph's comprehensive consulting engagements allow clients to maintain their focus while he does most of the work behind the scenes. Who doesn't love that? He makes it easy for clients to connect their strengths to their image and step into their best presence. Joseph takes intelligent individuals and shows them how to look confident on the outside as who they are on the inside. Welcome aboard. Here we go. Let's talk fashion. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, but we'll talk about it around the idea of personal brand and image. You have a very specific process you use with your clients, and we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of weeks. I'd love for you to take us through that, at least the non-proprietary parts. Okay, sure. There's a lot I can share about this. The first thing that I like to do is really find out what issues someone has when they are coming to see me. Everybody has some sort of goal in mind whether it's a personal growth goal or professional growth goal. And I really want to know what that is. So we do a lot of QA and just getting to know each other so that there's a lot of trust because the experience is naturally a pretty intimate one. Right. Getting into someone's head and then getting into someone's closet and you know, getting into someone's heart there's a lot of into and it goes both ways, by the way. It's not just me being like a surgeon, you know, cutting into somebody. It's someone also gets an opportunity to delve into me. So that's uh, establishing that kind of rapport is super important. When we really get started into the, the heart of the process, the very first thing I do is do a color profile and The client sits in front of me or we're doing them over Zoom as well, uh, using a ring light uh, to control the lighting source and have been doing this for a super long time. And the system I use has 550 sticks, about 3,500 individual colors. There are like three, four, five or six different 
colors in fa- in different fabric textures and so on on a stick and i hold them up next to the na- i call it the naked face so ladies no cosmetics eek but you're safe with me and what we do is i just hold up all the sticks and i'm looking for all the colors that match what i call the dna of the colors that are on the face mm. hair and how many ever tones there are eye color how again however many tones there are sometimes people have two or three tones of color in an eye like in the iris or it could be one and a hemoglobin and a base skin tone and the whites of eyes and teeth and then i'm looking for any other color that seems to represent the energy of a person so when it's all completed i uh, custom create a color palette and then i analyze it so that's the very first step to take and i'm gonna hold that thought for a second we're gonna talk about me (laughs) Because it's all about me. So oh. like I highlight my hair. There's a reason I'm saying this. So yeah. I highlight my hair. So this is, my highlights are off the natural color of my hair. Meaning I don't, I used to do like more red in it. And it just was becoming too high maintenance given we're in a pandemic and it's hard to get uh, hair done. So now I'm just highlighting. So, and, and then I have hazel eyes, which means my eyes are multicolored, just like you said. So going back to hair. Does it matter for the ladies? I mean, you know, some ladies change their hair color quite a bit. Right. So I lovingly refer to colored hair as manufactured DNA. And so let's say that a person decided to color their hair green or pink. There is a reason why a person decides to do that, unless it's really a complete accident or like you tried it in a box at home and it was the disaster. I don't know. That could happen. But I really believe in the the theory around dressing with intention. And so if that also means that you are intentionally changing the color of your hair, there is a reason why you are changing it to whatever color or colors it is. And we need to honor what that is. It's in a way, it's almost like, you know, if you are, if your hair is graying, and you cover and you color your hair to cover gray, it's sort of like I'm walking away from gray and the psychological meaning behind gray or gray hair. And I'm moving toward, you know, let's say it's going, you're going to color it brown. Or if you have the kind of gray that you can color and have it be blonde, you know, that's a good natural, pretty natural looking color on you, then that's going to send its own message. And gray has uh, its own psychological message. Blonde has its own psychological message. Brown has its own psychological message in terms of hair. And it's also represented in in how we put clothes on our bodies and so on. So uh, (laughs) it's fun to study that. My gal who does my hair, this last time I was there, she noticed because I have quite a bit of gray in the front. And she asked me if we wanted to start coloring out the gray. And I said, well, the highlights hide it. So no. But I said, please tell me the day you notice that the gray is just so beyond that we have to. And then, yes, let's have that conversation. And it's really, I think, I feel very young at 55. I just wasn't ready to be gray. And I was very gray right after chemo. My hair all came in gray, which is very common. And it, it went back to its sort of its original color. I, I don't know. I never really, I didn't, I didn't like the color after it came back in again. So that's why I went back to coloring it again and getting it highlighted and whatnot. Anyway, 
continuing on. So fascinating because, you know, I'm sitting here and no one can see, but here I am with the highlighted hair that's kind of got a copper coppery undertone to it. And I actually happen to be wearing a sweater that has some coppery undertone to it. So fun. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) No, that's, that's actually a terrific thing. If you can take natural coloring that, you know, or, or manufactured coloring, whatever it is that I would refer to as your DNA colors, uh, hair, eyes, skin, hemoglobin, you're really never going to Except for undergarments, you're never going to repeat your actual base skin tone. That would like wash you out completely. Right. But if you play with your hemoglobin or your eye color or your hair color in particular and repeat that in terms of items of clothing that you can wear on your body, that automatically creates more elegance, more head to toe, up, down connection between your head, which is your communication center. So you know, when you're not on a podcast and you're really like in real life, you know, live with people, it's that's important. But even when you're doing a, you know, a podcast or you're on a Zoom, like we're recording this podcast, but we're also on a Zoom so we can see each other, which creates more step towards more in real life reality. Even if we we weren't doing it this way and we were just listening to each other as though we were also like avid listeners of your podcast, you dressing that way creates a certain intention for yourself that I am pulled together. And that's great because the more pulled together you feel, I know we're going to talk about this more, but uh, you know, the, I'm sure it's going to come up, but the, the more pulled together you feel, the more pulled together your whole conversation is with me, the questions you want to ask, your your own attention to detail and focus is there. And for your listeners, they don't get it. But when you show up for yourself, which is the point, you are showing up for yourself looking that way, you are showing up to give even greater service to everyone who is listening in because you're focused on delivering a really good conversation that people can benefit from. And so a lot of that comes from you to begin with and how you emanate that energy. So it's it's an internal thing. And then you're putting it on your body like you're creating an environment. And that environment houses all of your energy that you're now putting out and putting into our conversation. And so already, I hope people feel like you just gave them a really great gift by what we're already talking about. Right. And I agree with you on that. And my sister-in-law has said to me, you're always so pulled together. Whenever I see you, you're so pulled together. And I said, I never know where my next client's coming from. I never, and just, I come from Wall Street in the late 80s, early 90s. I wore skirt suits and two-inch high heel pumps, right? Those aren't super high heels, but you know what I mean. And the quintessential sneakers to get anywhere because, of course, you know, I wasn't running around in pumps. Uh, God bless the ladies who can do that. That wasn't me. So I come from a very corporate background and I have never been someone who's going to wear yoga pants or sweatpants out of the house unless I was going to the gym, right? So that's kind of continued on. And here we are working from home. And one of the things I've advised my clients, and I'm sure you have too, is even if you're working from home, dress as though you're going to the office. It might be slightly more casual, right? 
But, and I really am business casual at this point. So right now for people who can't see, I'm wearing a necklace, earrings, a nice blouse, a more on the casual side, comfortable sweater, but it's pulled together. And then what nobody can really see is black jeans and a really nice belt. And believe it or not, those little uh, sneakers, they're by Billabong. I can't remember. They're kind of like the Converse sneakers, but I can't wear Converse Mm -hmm. because they're too narrow. The Chucks, you know, the quintessential Chucks. Yeah. For video, because I'm doing multiple videos today, I need to look pulled together from the waist up. And I also feel better. I know what I'm projecting as an image when I'm on video or when I'm working at all. So does that mean I never work in my pajamas? Of course I work in my pajamas. I get up early in the morning and I start work. And I usually do work in my pajamas because I'm going to work out or whatever, just the flow of the day. Right. But I never work with other people, not even so much as a phone call, still in my pajamas. Because I still feel like I'm in my pajamas. I just don't feel like I've started my day. Yes. This is really important because people can probably sense if you're having a conversation when you're in your pajamas. It's not like someone's going to say like, Catherine, girl, are you still in your pajamas or what? But they, you know, but if your focus is a little bit more relaxed when normally people know you to be so on the ball especially because you are a person with like a million ideas running through your head and you have to keep all that organized, right? And yet people know that about you, love that about you and see that you have a way of filtering and focusing. Your filter and focus can be on a lower scale when you're still in your PJs and whatnot. Because when you put on the outfit that you have on right now, for example, it goes back to my earlier point that you are embodying more of your best qualities and you are showing up more for your own benefit first so that you are more in your power. And then what that does is it provides a service. It is kind of a servant leadership quality, I think, to be humble enough to show up ready to serve another person. And let me also say that, for example, it looks like your blouse is silky. I don't know if it's exactly silk, but it's like silky or rayon something. And so there's something that is soft about it and supportive. The sweater cardigan that you're wearing over it looks textured and a little bit lofty, like there's a little, like you could see a little air going through, but it's like not a super tight weave, you know, almost feels like something cozy and blankety that, you know, like if I could hug you right now, I would be like, I'm hugging her and I'm not letting go. Like I'm going to, we're going to have big hugs. And so while that, you know, those feelings of the clothing are things that are they're close to your body. They're next to your skin. That, again, gives you a chance to feel a certain way for yourself that supports you and what you need. But outwardly, you look like someone who would offer love and support and care, but also you're wearing some high contrast, like the base of your blouse is ivory or bone, let's say. I don't think it's like stark white. No, I don't wear stark white. And right. And then you've got like almost a a modified animal print idea 
where they're kind of like black, not exactly round orbs, but they're rounded in shape, not quite like a polka dot because they're not perfectly rounded formed. Those are, again, a, a bit of what I would call a romantic in one of my archetypes, a little bit of a romantic symbol uh, as a pattern. So you have a bit of a romantic pattern as a symbol done in a bit of a dramatic way, which dramatic is another archetype I work with. And so the fact that you have more space between patterns is something uh, that gives it a little bit more of a dramatic effect. And also the fact that you're in high contrast, so it's not white, but it's more creamy or bone to the black is pretty far high contrast that adds to the drama of the whole look. So in a way, you're showing people or you're giving people who can see you in real time, like me, a sense that you are focused, but you are focused on caring. Like Mm. you will tell someone the truth, you will give it to them straight, but you will be kind and caring and supportive about it. That's a whole message that you convey non-verbally through your look. And it might be cheeseball of you to say, but I will tell it to you straight and I will support you and I will care about you because that's a lot about you. The thing is, is that there is a lot that you are conveying through what you're wearing right now that the onlooker or the recipient of your energy in a phone conversation or listening to a podcast can learn a lot about you because that's also how you're delivering your message. So I'm doing a little bit extra talking to explain that right now, but when you're talking, that's the energy that you're, that you're really giving out, which is, which is terrific. Now. So it's so interesting as you mentioned archetypes. So we've done in the process, we've done a lot of question and answer ask your clients about who they are, what they what their goals are in getting their image done with you. I'm probably using the wrong language. And then the second piece, which you said, you, you hold up various sticks with various textures and various colors, and you're looking at the face and what colors are coming out of the person. I'm curious what's next, because it sounds like it might be drifting towards archetypes. It is. Lucky it has <laughs> You win a prize. Yeah. So The next thing that we do is a style profile. And the style profile is uh, super interesting because when we do it in person, it's just done on a single sheet of paper. But it's like the kind of mind mapping that could absolutely change the trajectory of a person's life. And I know that for a fact because I've seen it happen so many times. It's an opportunity to tell yourself and to tell me how you self-identify with your personality. What qualities, traits, and characteristics do you think you are? Where do you feel like you need to develop based on other external goals, like amount more money, or I want to have this promotion or this type of job, or I want people to feel like this about me. So based on some external things, coming back to the self, what qualities, traits, and personality uh, things do you you know, maybe feel like have been laying dormant and that really need to be activated. So I tell people that they have an opportunity to tell me who they are and who they want to be on a single sheet of paper. And then I analyze the answers. It isn't just as easy as coming up with a tally and saying, okay, well, here you go. You're a number seven. (laughs) Exactly. 
The analysis is multi-layered because people are usually a hybrid blend of two to three archetypes. I've never had somebody just show up where they're one archetype only. And that creates much more rich, a rich layering effect on seeing who you are, because we always like to tell each other, hey, you're so, you're, we're all multifaceted. We're human beings. Well, if you believe that, and I certainly do, I don't think it's lip service. I think it's really the truth. Then what we have to do is we have to be able to see, well, what categories or archetypes would you fall under? Some people really score out across the board, you know, in all the range of archetypes, but some still stand out more than others. And stylistically, it then becomes important to give focus Mm -hmm. to certain archetypes over others. Or sometimes what happens is a person could be a number of different archetypes, but I'll know that their professional life and their personal life are so different. Like I'll have someone who's CEO of a technology company and he has to really show up and look a certain way that isn't always about suits all the time because it's a technology company. Even though he's a CEO, he needs suits sometimes only, like for board of directors meetings, meeting with finance people. But, you know, if he also has, which this person I have in my mind also has like a home in the mountains and go skiing and is really into the outdoors. You're not going to take your kind of business attire and like bring it to your mountain house. So there's, and even if you're not, you know, as affluent, the point is, is that sometimes what you need for your work week is different than what you do on your weekends. If your work week is very work focused, but at night you come home and you're with your family you know, it's a great opportunity to take off work, literally the clothes and put on clothes for home, not necessarily sweats or pajamas, because maybe your spouse and your children need support from you. And how can you be, how can you show support to them? I put on my pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying. um, At the end of the day, I'm done. I mean, I usually get through cooking dinner and then I put on my pajamas and I'm done. I hate to say it, but it's true. So I guess it just depends on like, what's the point at which, you know, your kids, for example, don't need to rely on you as much. Right. I think that's a, after dinner is probably when you're blowing the whistle yourself saying you're cut off, you know. It's so interesting you say that because mine's a teenager and, you know, she wears a lot of sweats and stuff. And I would be curious as to what age it was when I started really wearing the PJs early and earlier, meaning I don't think. That was the case when she was five or six or seven years old. I probably did stay, you know, thoroughly dressed till she was in bed. That's Mm -hmm. my hunch. I don't remember exactly, but I'm betting. And it may also be that your career was different then versus what you do today. So it's not just about aging. I mean, that can play in, but it can also be about what were we doing in our lives, you know, at a certain time. And that's why things don't always stay the the same and why why we make changes. So the thing about archetypes is that it helps to really understand your persona because as I was sharing with everybody about what you're wearing today and the messages that it conveys, you know, you want to be you want to know if what you are actually wearing 
truly supports your personality and the messages that you really want to embody and, and convey to other people, as well as to yourself. Not having done that for you, but knowing who you are and what you do, I at least could say, I know that you're on track. So then, then what happens is this offers a fine tuning of things where if you, if you think about like finding your true north and really like having a compass out uh, in front of you and saying, I'm just ever so slightly off course and I can never really quite get, you know, where I really want to go and I'm, I really want to get there. This process really helps orient someone back to what their true north is. And sometimes, you know, you weren't looking to go due north at some point. You were trying to do something else in your life and vis-a-vis with respect to your style. And now it's really uh, important for everybody, especially coming out of this time of pandemic and thinking about who we want to become, taking this time of you know introspection and be behaving like we're living inside of each of us is living inside of a chrysalis. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? What kind of butterfly are we all? going to turn into uh, when we all break free from the chrysalis. So that's why I think the whole study of personal styling and working on archetyping is so helpful to people because you can really learn how to get back to your due north and like, where do you really, if one, when you're the butterfly and it's time to fly, where, how do you know where due north is to, so if you don't want to go north, but you want to go somewhere else, you at least stay on on course to where you want to be because you know what due north is. Right. That's super important in terms of style and you know how you want to embody your messages and ultimately achieve your goals. So many, 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 many years before I knew you, and this person is a dear friend to this day. She won't have any issue with me telling this story. She pulled me aside. I'll never forget it. We were standing on a sidewalk in Fairfield. And we'd come from whatever sort of networking meeting. I just gotten back to working full time. I took two years off when our daughter was born to be home, to be a stay-at-home mom. And I'll never forget, and they were very hard words to hear. She said, you know, we need to talk about what you wear because what you're wearing looks like mom, you know? And it was the nice looking, comfortable t-shirts, you know, like V-neck, attractive t-shirts, not, you know, logos plastered across the front. And probably some slacks or something. And I was pretty casual, but I mean, I was wearing those kinds of knit t-shirts because what did I have at home? A kid who spat up, a kid who threw food, you know, the whole nine yards. And so I looked like the quintessential mom, but I was going back into the workplace and I needed to figure out who I was going to be in the workplace that wasn't the former, you know, skirt suit that I wore on Wall Street. You know, I worked for AIG and in Wall Street, it was very, very corporate. I mean, I think the first time I started wearing pantsuits, people wear floor. They're like, you wear pantsuits? You know, do you even own pants? And that was very funny. So I come from this very intense look and had to sort of relearn. And luckily she happened to sell, you know, clothing called Carol Anderson by invitation, which I love Cappy. It's, it's what I'm wearing now. And almost everything I wear is from them. And it's because they can mix and match. So the various years across, across the line, new clothes harmonize with old clothes, which I really, really like about it. Right. So, and I find that fun. And I, I have become passionate about my clothing. I love getting new clothes. I love wearing clothes. And it wasn't my thing. It just never was because I came out of this Wall Street mindset of navy black brown suit 
A uniform. And, you know, a uniform. Exactly. And so, you know, I had to learn, like, what looks good on me, what colors work, you know, all this kind of stuff. I probably used you for some fine tuning, I'm sure. And the point of all that is, is that the very first thing I did was I had someone come who was a stylist who, and again, remember long before I knew you, who went through my closet and started to put together outfits for me. And even though I wasn't enamored with those outfits, they did look more professional. And it really made me realize as we got into my closet and started digging around, there was a lot of stuff that just didn't work anymore. They weren't the right clothes. I was going to say didn't fit, but it isn't so much about size as it was. It didn't fit who I was becoming. Mm -hmm. So it was a great eye opener. And I want to segue because I know you had said it before we even started chatting officially that one of your sort of productivity things is for people to get into their closets and organize them, declutter them. I don't know. What's your magic? Let's talk about it because that was magical for me. It made me see I needed to go shopping. (laughs) Right. So here's the thing, the closet going into it or opening the door of it. It's one of the first things that you do in the day where you are officially preparing for your day. Like Mm -hmm. it's all the tools of what you do to put yourself together really reside in the closet. And so if you open up the closet and there are a lot of extraneous things in the closet that are in there just because it seems like there's no other place to put them, that's really distracting to the eye. And as a result, you're left with a mental image of distraction first thing in the day. So I like to try to tell everybody if it is possible, sometimes it is not, but then I say it's an opportunity to further work on organizing and delineating your closet space If you have to keep things in the closet that have nothing to do with your wardrobe, section off an area and put those things there and don't make it look like crap, like make it look nice, make it look special. And then the clothing part, if or if you're really lucky and your whole closet can be full of clothes, which is ideal for this purpose, that's what a clothes closet is supposed to be for clothes, then What I recommend is you colorize and categorize the wardrobe. And it's a super simple concept. You can actually even memorize this. It's top to bottom. So if you have like bars or shelves, top to bottom, left to right, light to dark, short to long, take a sleeveless tank and put it on the left and have a long sleeve something or other on the right. Organize everything by color. You can further delineate by categories. If you have knits or t-shirts and then shirts or blouses with collars and sleeves, segregate them, separate them, colorize them, light to dark, left to right, top to bottom, short to long. I did this when I worked for a menswear designer doing merchandising in stores across the country for that designer. But also from my retail background, I knew from working at Neiman Marcus for 12 years, this is how you merchandise. Mm. It is still how I merchandise my own closet. It is how I come in and merchandise, if you will, anyone else's closet. 
merchandise slash organize. And it creates calm in the eye so that you can actually see things. One other huge tip about closet organization is make sure that all of your hangers, and especially within a category, are uniform. If you hang sweaters, you may have to put them on, like, say, a set of fatter hangers so that the shoulders don't stretch out. If you have suits, you might use the same thickness of hanger so that the shoulders are also properly supported. But if you have shirts or blouses, you might not need the same kind of, if you will, fat wide hanger because they're shirts. You can use a standard hanger. The thing is, is that within a category, if not through the entire closet, it is super helpful to the eye to have uniform hangers. And here's why. I have seen time and time and time again with people in their closets, how they'll say, you know, I'm wearing these things, but I'm not wearing these things. Or, and I'll say, pick, you know, just pinpoint to me, pick out the things that you really go to more. And they'll show me and they'll pull sleeves out of, you know, of the closet. And they'll say, uh, I wear this, I wear this, I wear this, I wear, th- I look at everything. And then I'm also looking at the hangers and I say, oh, you have hanger bias. This is what's going on. If it's on a wire hanger, you're not wearing it. If it's on this nice hanger, you're wearing it. But if you don't change the hanger from the dry cleaner away from the wire hanger and don't put it back on the nice hanger, you're creating total hanger bias for yourself. You should not. And and so this is great. If you aren't a clothes horse and if you're not a collector or a maximalist like I admittedly am, but, you know, and I might be know what I do, you can be entirely a minimalist in terms of what you own. You know, if you're like a denizen of New York City and you have a famously small closet and you can't have tons and tons of stuff, doing these little tips like this help you enjoy what you have and you don't need as much, but you will wear and go through everything because you don't have the bias to either find and see exactly what you own and then also to not unfavor something just because you don't like where it is in your closet or It's lost because you hate that hanger and, you know, we're not even completely aware of it. And when I point this out to people, they will always say, oh, my God, that's so crazy because I really love this piece. I just I'm not wearing it. And I say, go to the container store like, or have them ship you some hangers. They have such a wide variety of things that at all manner of price points, you can find something affordable and conduct an experiment. Do it for like two or three weeks so that you can see if this is really helping you. But you have to follow the plan and make sure that you keep things organized after you wash or dry clean something, put it back in the right way. And then tell me in two or three weeks if you're enjoying more of what you own. No one ever tells me that they don't love their stuff more. And, you know, it's kind of like it feels like this little luxury we can do. So right now we're home. It's pandemic. And some folks may not have a super high budget to be suddenly doing a whole huge renovation around their house. But here's something you could do that feels completely luxurious at least once a day, because we open our closets a minimum of once a day, get matching hangers Holy and you know, change it out and make all your hangers uniform. I did this a couple of years ago and it really changed how I view my closet. The other thing I did just recently was I noticed that I had two piles of folded like jeans. 
casual pants. And so I just fold them and put them on a shelf. My nice dress pants are hanging. And I noticed that I was always going to the same two pairs of pants. And it dawned on me what was happening in there was somehow I had accidentally mixed pants that fits with pants that are just slightly too small still and were really close to five more pounds, right? Yes, ladies all have this, maybe men too, but we all um, have the fat jeans and the thin jeans and the, you know, anything in between. So what I did was I said, this is ridiculous. Go through them, pull all the jeans that you don't quite fit in right now out of the closet. Absolutely. That's what happens now. Absolutely. The 10 pairs that fit, I'm making the number up. I wear all of them because I can see them. Yep. So this is key. So if you do, and I look, I don't want to tell people, you just have to get rid of that size because you're never going to be that size again. You might, I wouldn't keep, you know, 50 pairs of something different, but I have like 10 pairs of slacks that I'm just slightly off the mark on that I'd still really like to wear. So I just folded them all, put them in a bin and, and put them in the attic. Totally. I really am a big advocate of maintaining healthy weight for the purpose of, to sound redundant intentionally, health. Yep. And so if a person that I'm working with and we're going through the closet and this is also the case, I have them put everything in a box. Yep. I have them like do something really lovely with it, like fold it down nicely, mm-hmm. you know, treat it with love and kindness, the whole box of stuff. and put it away into another place in storage. And I say, you are welcome to invite this back in if you get there. If you don't get there, it's also okay. You have to really love yourself in the moment exactly for who you are. Because if you ultimately want to create change that allows you to go back into things that you can't fit into right now, and I've seen this both ways, people who become underweight, Mm -hmm. More people who become overweight, which creates a lot of fluctuation of what we can possibly own in our closets. It really helps a person to just honor exactly who they are and to love and accept who they are. I firmly believe that it's okay not to, that you don't have to like everything, but you have to give unconditional love to everything. Because if you want to create change, it can only come from love. It cannot come from detesting or ha- or hating on yourself. You can't. It just never works. So I try to handle that with all my clients, and I'm certainly sharing this with all of your listeners. I want everyone who finds that they encounter that as an issue to embrace the moment and whatever you're doing about putting things away and removing them is not necessarily a tormenting experience unless you want to make it into that. This is really about honoring the moment. Like those things that remain in the closet are what really fit and what really work for you now. Why do you want to actually look at something, try something on and be reminded of something that makes you upset? Because the upset or the hurt or the pain or the frustration is something that then, you know, lingers in the cells of our body all day long and it transmits into the work that we're doing. So the clothing and the embodiment of our strengths and our energies is more important than almost anybody realizes. And I love that you brought that up, Catherine, because we need to be able to do that every single day of our lives. We owe it to ourselves and the people who we love and support and our clients and the people that we care for and everyone who encounters us 
we should just be more at ease with ourselves and it allows us to be of greater service to more people. And I think inevitably we're of greater service and people know it. They can feel that energy. They can feel somehow, some way. I'm not a scientist. Well, how you felt about yourself when you got up this morning, you're going to carry it with you all day long. Yeah. Clothing is a thing that if you're in a funky mood, you can actually put clothes on like and transform out of a funky mood. Huh. It's also, it could also explain a little bit about why you might change into your, you know, sweat slash PJs time off wear and earlier time now than you did say when your daughter was seven, for example. So in the span of a number of years, why did that really change? Sometimes I find for people who are introverts, I am certainly one. <laughs> hello. Hello. If, hello. If you put gray is a wonderful color to put on. So it might not seem so appealing. Like, oh, if I put, you know, gray on, it's like, look, it's very, it can be very black. But sometimes, you know, the idea of gray or if it's not gray sweats, it could be, you know, an environment where the tones in your room are gray or something like that helps a person to really feel quiet and they can go into recovery. Does this explain why my teenager is always wearing gray sweats? If she's introverted. It, oh, yeah, she is. Yeah, it really could because it's a way of creating quiet or less visibility. I love you know, I love like my gray cashmere sweats. The color definitely gives me that calm and soothing feeling, but it also, the material creates this nice soft coziness that I feel enveloped and blanketed in something soft and, and gentle and soothing, which is really great. And you know, my pajamas are super soft. I'm sure that this is all driven by how they feel and how they make me feel. I just recently bought, and I've never bought things like this before. They're called joggers, which are slacks that are like of the sweat material, but nicer quality, you know, like upscale sweats. Yeah. But super comfortable. I often change into that at the end of the day. But it was funny last night, and I've never done this before. This was hilarious. My husband was cracking up. We had to run out to deliver something to my sister-in-law. We're helping my in-laws move. And it was raining. It was miserable. I was already in my pajamas. <laughs> and I tell you, I threw a sweatshirt on and I went out the door and went up there. And they're, they're leopard print. And my sister-in-law said, oh, these are such cute pants. And I'm like, they're pajamas. <laughs> and it was so funny because I could pull off leopard print pants. She wouldn't blink an eye to see me wearing leopard print pants. That just wouldn't surprise her, right? Right. So it was just so dang funny. The next pair of joggers I'm going to buy are actually like more like zebra. They're black and white and the same concept, but they're from wearing around the house. And the fact is, is that, you know, with a long black tunic or gray or whatever, I wouldn't feel horrible running out briefly in them. I would still look pretty pulled together. Right. The look would be pulled together. Right. Yeah. Even though it'd be a lot more casual than I'm typically wearing. But I'm a big jeans person. I mean, I wear jeans all the time and I, you know, I can get away with it. Now, if I was going to a business meeting, like a real business meeting, let's say with a big networking group, especially evening, I would never wear jeans. Mm -hmm. events. That's just me. I would wear proper slacks. But right now we're all Zoom. It's like you know, we're circling right back to where we started. Yeah. And we're in a pandemic. And I think one of the trends we're going to see with clothing, you would tell me I'm wrong, is it's going to be more casual. Well. More comfortable. 
I think the word comfortable is the right word. I have a theory around comfort. See what you think about this. And if you're listening, see what you think about this. There is what people call the comfort zone. Think about what your own comfort zone is. And I'm going to challenge you right now that your comfort zone is more likely your familiar zone. Meaning that you convey or think that what's comfortable to you is comfortable to you because it's familiar to you. And so that said, to move into what really is your comfort zone, if you think about comfort, not just from what is cozy or what is casual or what is easy, if you think about comfort from the standpoint of intentional dressing, if you know that you would like to get something done with greater focus and accomplish that task or responsibility faster, it would help you to dress in such a way that helped you feel more on track with that accomplishment. And so like for our conversation today, I put on this particular shirt, which is soft and rounded in color, rounded in pattern, I should say, and fairly low in contrast of color. It's very gentle next to my face, you know, coloring and my like the color, the gray in my beard and the hazel in my eyes and the green in my eyeglasses. All of these colors repeat elegantly and romantically like down this shirt that I'm wearing because I want to be of great support to all of you who are listening to this podcast. And I want to offer that, of course, to Catherine, who I knew we would be seeing each other as we record this. So I wanted to be able to do that. Now, if I was not as purposeful and prepared and you know, I just came back from the gym and had a shower before we, you know, had our time to meet and record this. And I thought, well, screw it. I'm, you know, I know my stuff and I'm just going to like, I'm just going to wear, you know, a James Purse sweatshirt and whoever doesn't like it, you know, tough it. I would be so much more like, you know, less focused and unable to disseminate and discern all of these tidbits that I really want to freely share with you so that you can learn something and take action. So it helps me to be more on point with what I want to do by making the conscious choice of wearing these particular glasses, this particular shirt, these particular pants, and everything else that none of you are seeing except for Catherine seeing my face and my eyeglasses and my shirt. It's more for me to show up and be a certain way. And it is awfully comfortable. That's the point that I want to land on is that it really, like I'm in a a cotton shirt with a little bit of stretch to it. I'm demonstrating for Catherine. It's got a little like byway stretch and, you know, it's super comfortable from a physical comfort standpoint, but mentally it's where I need to be. And I feel comfortable. The moment that we create too much tension between the focus we feel like we need to have Mm. and 
the way that we are dressing ourselves, like, well, that's a, it creates a different manifestation. Like the brain is saying, focus, focus. And the clothing is saying, comfort, comfort, cozy, cozy, go take a walk, go get away from, you know, whatever you're doing. Turn on the TV. (laughs) Right, exactly. It creates this tension that there's disagreement. And so what we want is to create greater agreement so that life is easier life is easier. And oh, when you have that happen, that's what comfort really is. And when you find that that's what really is happening, test my theory out. When you find that it is working, you now understand what your real comfort zone is and you've recalibrated to having a new familiar zone of what comfort is. So don't mistake, don't go on another day thinking that comfort is based on what you're familiar with. Challenge yourself a little bit and you will see that how you show up can have a world of difference in terms of your output of what you do and your outcomes. Love it. So I am going to ask you how people find you because you've just asked a question. They need to know how to reach you to find out about it. Well, one, to tell you the answer, which you could do here you know, at the podcast or directly with Joseph because This has been so much fun. I've learned a ton today. I'm so happy. That makes me feel good for you and for everyone who's listening in. My website is josephrosenfeld.com. You can also find me on Instagram as Joseph Rosenfeld. Mm -hmm. If you're one of the lucky ones to be on Clubhouse at this point, you can also find me on Clubhouse at Joseph Rosenfeld. Those are the best ways. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm also known as Joseph Rosenfeld. Very, very hard to find. Very confusing, Joseph. <laughs> Only on, uh, I'm the chief style geek. So, you know, you can find me online that way. Love it. Love it so much. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been so much fun. We have really covered so many aspects. Uh, what it means to be and live and breathe your personal brand through what you wear and, and your manufactured hair color. <laughs> exactly. And you look great. So thank you so much. Manufactured, it's it's working for you. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Joseph. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.